Hi everyone. Hi this guys. Is, uh, I'm Kevin. This is Logan. We are Cinema Suitcase, and today we are discussing one of okay, not one of my favorite films, but one of my recommendations, which is Hancock. Yes. The most underrated superhero film ever. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Should we should we go into some statistics? Yeah. yeah we we kind of awake now, so forgive us. <laughs> yeah, it took us like it took us like two. We woke up technically two hours ago, but it took us all that time just to wake up. <laughs> Just like, you know, we've got to shoot an episode today. Oh, I don't want to. It's long. <laughs> no, I wanted to shoot today. Yeah. I'm no, just no, rusty. I'm still used to, um, or getting used to the idea of leading episodes. Yeah. Okay, so this movie was directed by Peter Berg. Mm. Writing credits was Vince Gilligan, a boy. Breaking Bad, woo-woo. Yeah. And then Vi Vincent Nago. Not, I'm very sorry if I'm not pronouncing the name properly, but it's... Bit of a tongue twister. Uh, original music by John Powell. Cinematography by Thomas A. Schlichler. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. And then edited by Col uh, Colby Parker Jr. and uh, 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 Paul Rubel. My goodness. Yeah. Quiet. You, you weren't joking when you said we had a, a bit of a lineup. Yeah, a lineup of tongue twisters. <laughs> Definitely. My goodness. Yeah. All right. So, um, shall we go to initial, like, first impressions? Not first impressions, but like. A background. Background, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, my background's pretty short. Uh, basically, what happened was, was that um, this movie came out and I really wanted to watch it because obviously I was a big fan of Will Smith, obviously from like Men in Black and stuff like that because I was one of where I mostly where I knew Will Smith from and also, you know, Fresh Prince of Ballet, very good. <laughs> Love that series. It is a very good series. And then, yeah, then I think my dad went to watch it the one, the one day by himself. And when he came back home, he said, no, you can't watch it. You, you have to wait until you get older. I'm not letting you watch it now. And then it just kind of faded into black because, you know, the movie didn't really get a lot of good reviews, so... And people didn't really, uh, yeah, like you said, this movie got a very bad reputation when it first came out. So, yeah, and then uh, a few years ago, I actually watched it for the very first time. And this is the end of watching it last time with you. That was the second time I've ever watched it. And, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. So it's like a type of Superman type movie, which is pretty cool. And very interesting because Will Smith actually was, uh, Water Brothers actually wanted to cast him a few times as Superman, but then he always kept saying no. And Hancock basically is like his Superman movie, I guess. It could be, yeah. Well, it is his Superman movie. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, but, yeah. Other than that, yeah. That would be it. Yeah, that would, that'd be it for my, my backstory. To be honest, I my introduction to Hancock is vague. I remember when it first came out back in 08, I was a, I was a massive fan of this movie. I got it on DVD, and I think... I got it um, on DVD purely because it was it was on sale from a um, DVD shop. DVD rental shop that had too many extra copies, so it was dirt cheap. Yeah. And I, that's that's when I bought it from like a sale bin. You know those yeah, yeah, bins yeah, yeah, that yeah. have random copies. Yeah, yeah, the DVD uh -huh. sale bin. Yeah. And that, that's where I got that from, and uh, I fell in love with it. I think like it wasn't that hardcore for me. Like um, I wasn't really ever affected by violence or swearing you know i sort of just brushed it off as the movie yeah and um 
I was always a hardcore fan of it. I think I was one of the youngest people to actually see it back in like school days. Yeah. And I've loved it ever since. Unfortunately, my first copy was stolen. So I got the second copy. And yeah. then when I found the Blu-ray, then I was like, yeah, no, this is why I'm swiping this. Cause it's, uh, it's underappreciated. It is definitely underappreciated. Yeah. So shall we go into the story? I yeah. think so. I'll, I'll guide us through the, uh, the beats. Yes. Um, Hancock starts off with, how does it start? My goodness. There's a, there's a, there's a car chase. It is the car chase, with right? The police, the police chasing those criminals. You wouldn't think we watched it yesterday. Sorry, I'm so lost right now. Um, it starts with this police chase and a, quite a bad one. There's quite a few cop cars after an SUV type car. There's gunshots and firing and all this sort of uh, intense chase. There's a news helicopter, I believe. Just, a, just you know, just a normal G GTA Five house. It's just a normal GTA day, yeah, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and we can't constantly cut between this chase and Hancock. This is our first introduction to him, where he's he's on a bench, <laughs> like a public bench outside just, of a shop. He's just passed out. He's passed out. We see a lot of like brandy bottles or some sort of whiskey. Uh, sorry, like alcohol. Uh, alcohol sorry, like not whiskey. Yeah. And he has a lot of them. He has like a whole box and they're yeah. all finished. So he's hung over. Anyway, he's stationed conveniently outside of a, uh, a TV shop, which is playing the news in the window. And this young boy <laughs> wakes him up. Yeah, and the kid like, is like waking up like, you know, hey man, there's crime. Like, go do, go your, do thing. your thing. And he's just like, he's just like, Go away. Yeah, he still doesn't say it so nicely, but he does say that. Yeah, but he's basically going like, Please leave, me alone. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Do not wake a drunk man. And he's like hung over and his hat is all skew. So anyway, he takes you know, he takes like five minutes getting up. I think he even steals someone's sunglasses. That woman that walks past, he like grabs them, he puts them on. I'm pretty sure I am pretty sure he had the sunglasses. I think he did, yeah. He already I always, had, I always he, mix he, those two up. He already he already had the sunglasses because the thing is like he always has a pair of sunglasses on mm. him. It's like his mask or whatever. I think maybe when I was younger, I always confused. That's where he got the glasses. You know, innocent-minded me. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, he was just like on that woman's bum. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so anyway, he puts his glasses on. He grabs the last bottle of booze. Yeah. And that is actually the coolest scene ever in terms of like powers introduction. Because he just blasts off and he destroys that bench, mm. which I thought was epic because it the way they did his whole wake-up scene is so slow. Well, not slow, but you wouldn't expect such a harsh transition into like full-blown action. Yeah, yeah, I will say it's a pretty cool opening. It is. I, I do like it, yeah. So anyway, he takes off, he destroys the bench he was on, and um, I think he probably shattered the shop windows. <laughs> and yeah. he flies over to these goons that are involved in this car chase. Lands right inside their car. Yeah. And then they're all busy like shouting him in some of the, in, like, some of the language or whatever, and he's just going like, guys, guys. Of course, he's hungover. He yeah. doesn't need to be shouted at. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I just want to take it to you. So. Yeah, no problem. Mm. So he stops this robbery. They attempt to shoot him, which of course he's bulletproof, which doesn't work for them. So he he destroys the freeway by putting his feet through the floor and tearing up the road. And then he also hangs their car on like an antenna type thing. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Suddenly they they transition from like. Uh, I think they were speaking Japanese. I think that's what they said. Um, well, I think it's like I think it's like he, he said like you know like oh yeah you know yeah you make some Japanese joke and then the guy's like I'm not even Japanese you idiot. <laughs> yeah, we're not Japanese man. Okay, whatever they were speaking, it's some Asian language. Um, 
and they suddenly transition to English. I don't know why. I just think that's kind of funny. Like, why were they going in, in whatever language they were talking about the whole time? Because that's all, because that's all, because that's all. Okay. I, I, Maybe they're like, I don't want to. I don't want to be, uh, uh, no, obviously I'm not trying to, I'm not saying this is a derogatory, derogatory way or anything like that, but people who are, who have English as a second language, they tend to prefer to talk in their own language. Yeah, of course. And then obviously eventually when we're like, he's hiding them by the car, they're like, you know, dude, chill. Chill, yeah. Okay, that, of course. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. So they're obviously not primarily yeah. um, English, <laughs> which is cool. So anyway, he's, that, that sort of opening scene is a nice way to just introduce us to who he is and how he's not really your standard superhero because he's, he's quite, uh, um, not unforgiving, but... Get out. Get out. He's superhero from the hood. Yeah, superhero from the hood. There's our second merch drop. Yeah. Um, what's an ideal word? Like, he's pretty careless, reckless. He's, he's re reckless, basically. Yeah, he's reckless, not afraid of property damage or reckless, hurting people. Reckless, uh, careless, that causes a lot of property damage. He's just like, oh, well, you know, I did the job. I, I stopped the crime, didn't I? Yeah, exactly. Even though there's not much of a building left standing, but still. Yeah. And so we sort of cut after that scene to the evening news where we find out, okay, he's actually in a lot of trouble with the local... Um, sort of police. government and police because of all the destruction and property damage but they they don't want to go there and arrest him because like what what can they really do you know he's sort of untouchable yeah and uh he's in a bar that's he's watching the news of course he's he's drowning his sorrows yeah there's a real al yeah. alcohol addiction actually yeah I, I just wanted to just to clarify for you guys we did watch the extended cuts. yeah i was gonna say that as because, well actually. because the scene we're about to bring up now is uh, uh i think you said it's from the it's from the extended cut mm, it's it's the biggest difference for me yeah because in the theatrical cut or let me just say while he's in this bar a group of young ladies come in, they're looking for him, you know, they want to flirt or whatever. It's specifically one of them that they send forward to go talk to him. Yeah, he's, she's like, she's like geeking out about him. She's like, oh, it's, it's Hancock, it's Hancock. She's, a, she's a real fangirl. Yeah, she's a real fangirl. Like, you know, just wants, she pretty much just wants to jump him right there. Uh-huh, pretty basically. much. And that's the scene I'm talking about. Because in the theatrical release, they don't, that scene doesn't exist. He's in the bar and he talks to that um, woman but like the old woman, but he it cuts directly to his yeah. uh, like place after that. So you never you never see. Well, that. I guess also they they couldn't include that scene in the theatrical because otherwise the movie would go from like a like a PG thirteen to like an R rating. I think yeah, I think it was PG thirteen actually. Hancock. Yeah, I think it was. So anyway, this chick she pretty much wants to smash and dash him. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of he's not really. Um, open arms with her advances you know he's just sort of conversing with her very straightforward to the point very straightforward to the point he's kind of like trying to like you know like just say like you know just just your know, personal space please mm. social distancing <laughs> where's your mask <laughs> yeah where's your mask and then yeah and then, and then like he even says to her like you know like hey you know um just so you know um you know when i um get to that part uh you're, you're gonna feel some blowback so you might just want to like you know get yeah. away get away i love that scene the, the holes in the caravan roof anyway yeah. um, she like shoots back and then she's like freaked out and she like sticks out the bathroom and it's just like well he warned you he did say to you yeah she got so like frisky early like he was like hold on lady i'm trying to explain what goes down and she's like no give it to me and then give it to me next now. thing she flies across the room like yeah. she's all right but obviously she got spooked 
And then yeah. she just leaves out his bathroom window. And it's you that's that's the I, I I really I really value that scene in this movie actually. Because after that and she goes to the bathroom, he thinks, you know, she's just freshening up or whatever. And he's talking he's, he's talking to her, you know? Like but he's she's trying not, to but make she's, her but she's not responding and then he notices, oh yeah, she snuck out the window and mm -hmm. driving away. Mm -hmm. And um the thing is he's trying to connect with people. You can see it. Yeah. He's, he's really like an isolated and um misunderstood person. Yeah. And I really like that scene because it adds a lot more um depth to his character, which is never seen in the theatrical release. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, no, I was fine. I was just, I was just had a hiccup. Oh, okay, sorry. I was just, I was just put it through. Mm, no worries. So the fact that um, that scene occurs is brilliant to me because, as I say, that's our first glimpse to seeing he's actually just looking for some sort of connection with somebody. Yeah, it sort of reminded me of a Man of Steel with Henry Cavill Superman because mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Henry Cavill Superman. I, I love him. He's like oh, my he's big, a good Superman. Yeah, he's my he's my favorite. He's my personal favorite Superman, and everyone's gonna. Immediately, like you know, freak out in the comments saying it's Christopher, it's Christopher Reeve. It's like Christopher Reeve is very good, but what I was gonna say is that um, that's kind of what they were doing with with Henry Cavill's Superman. Is they wanted to the present a Superman that like kind of struggles to connect to humanity and like you know he's always judged for everything he's doing and like you know people are like constantly like you know canceling him on Twitter and all that type of stuff. So yeah, it just feels like that. And I think also, I think the, the reason why some people don't like it is because when they see a Superman character, they're just like, no, I want a hopeful Superman that always knows the right answer and like, you know, like, you know, uh, always knows the right thing to say and like, you know, he's always hopeful and optimistic and uh, oh, that's Superman. And I was like, yeah, that Superman, that Superman does exist. I mean, that is how Superman was, is and everything. But I feel like in this era, like a Superman like that's not going to exist. You're not going to get a Superman who's like always hopeful and always like, you know, I'm not trying to like sound depressing or anything, but like, uh, here, someone you know, somebody like Henry Cavill's Superman, and someone like Hancock is more—they're more relatable. Yeah, you can relate more to them mm, because and, they they have downtime as and well. And I think that's why filmmakers actually try to do these versions of like the Superman character because the thing is that they're going like, you know, the normal like you know, you know, truth, justice in the American way. That Superman, that Superman's—I wouldn't say—I'm not trying to say he's outdated. Like in the comic books, it works fine, but in the movie, like you know. Doesn't really work because the thing is, people are just like you know, yeah, but that's that's not really realistic. Like if somebody, if we actually had a hero like that who actually had these powers, you, they wouldn't always be like that. No, there'd be harsh times for them as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you obviously you know think you know thank the Lord we don't have like an evil Superman like Homelander from the boys, but like um, but yeah, you know, you always have that Superman that like kind of struggles to connect to humanity and all that type of stuff. Mm, I think also if they made him always hopeful and upbeat, he would be a kind of flat character. Because mm. even Superman, yes, he, he has strong morals and he, he's very upstanding, but if he didn't have those, those moments of doubt, you know, he would be a very flat character. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like maybe if, this, if, you know, it worked obviously for Christopher Reeve because I was back in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So obviously back then it was a time to be hopeful. But now, you know, in the 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, it's very like, you know, it's this very bleak, bleak world that we're living in right now. Mm. I mean, I'm not trying to like sound depressing or make everyone sound or make everybody watching this video like feel down or whatever. But yeah, you know, it's more realistic. It is a more realistic take, I get you. And that's the thing, there's relatability in the struggle. Mm. So, of course, it makes sense. So, you know, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a therapy session, like an AA meeting. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, we after we introduced to Hancock and his sort of powers and, and his character, we, we cut to another character, main character, whose name is Ray. I'm not sure what his play, name is. Played by, play by Jason Bateman, who I, who I love. Yeah, Jason my family, Bateman. My family, we all love Jason Bateman. He's like, he's really awesome. He's one of my favorites comedy actors because he's just very dry delivery that type of thing and then <laughs> me, uh, 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 my, my sister recommended this Jason Bateman movie to my dad the other day and he was watching it and like the movie's got like a lot of like you know crass and like very like you know raunchy humor <laughs> so like, and that made my dad feel uncomfortable when I, and when I, when I was driving in the car with him he said like yeah I reckon my sister your sister you know she she, she, uh, she uh, uh, recommended this movie to me and I don't know why, and he says like, "Yeah, but I think it's because she, when she sees Jason Bateman, she thinks of me." Uh, and I actually kind of agree. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, this is basically my dad." Nice. What does he look like, Jason Bateman? No, it's how he acts and everything. Like oh, that. okay. Like, like, his, his, like his, re his reaction to things and everything like that. Okay, that's cool. No, that's fair enough. I yeah. like that. That's a cool connection. Um, so Ray is a kind of struggling uh, PR guy. PR guy. He's trying to convince these big corporations to sign up for a sort of campaign he's made in the hopes of improving the world. And the idea behind this campaign is these mega corporations will give away whatever they produce for free to the people that really, really need it. You know, be it be it pharmaceuticals or clothing or anything like that. And every and basically every boardroom is just like I'm uh, free. Like, yeah, every boardroom, of course, it's all about the money. So they tell him no, and his uh, campaign is just not getting off the ground. You know, they kind of yeah. think he's a real idiot. Yeah. Uh, I, I like his his good intent. Yeah, he does have good intentions. Just the problem is, like, yeah, you know, the invisible hands. Yeah, no. these, these corporations are basically just going to be like, look, unless there's, unless, uh, unless there's money to be made, we are not interested. Mm -hmm. And we are not giving away stuff for free. No, definitely not. So he's on his way home, and for some reason, there's an intersection that crosses over some train tracks. Yeah, there's obviously, like, there's like a traffic jam, and then like people are—he's uh, like on the phone, and people are like hooting at him, and he doesn't notice what's going on, and then he realizes, oh shit, I'm on the tracks. Yeah, there's, there's a train coming. There's a train coming. So I think he was probably very distracted. He had a shite day, obviously. Yeah. And. Um, He's on the phone with his wife, of course, just telling everything how it goes. So he probably didn't even realize he stopped right there on the track. You know, when you're driving, you sort of just keep up with traffic. You don't really think about it. Yeah. So he ends up on this track and this train is on the way. And <laughs> of course, the door handle comes off and he, he rods to himself like he's like, fix the handle. <laughs> he, always, he always said this to himself and then he didn't. And um, he gets stuck with his seatbelt. So Hancock arrives just in time sort of lifts his car, pushes it out the way onto another car, which is not the greatest strategy, and then he stops the train dead. He could have just left, but of course he's still a very lost soul, so he's very destructive and yeah. and he stops this train dead, which of course causes the traffic or the train carriages to completely misalign with the momentum. Yeah. And of course, now the people are upset with him because the old baby criticizes him, saying like, you know, why don't you just pick up the car and fly away? Yeah, exactly. You did that earlier. <laughs> so he's like, all right, bring it. Come on, he'll take any one of them. Which of course he'll win, but um, he knows they won't do it. So Ray is like, hey, calm yourself. He sees a good opportunity here to maybe turn Hancock's life around. And I mean, how often do you really get to meet him? It's not like he, you know, you know where he stays. Yeah, he's kind of a drifter, I think. Yeah, Hancock. he's a bit of a drifter. And um, 
uses this to say like, hey, you know, he did some good. So, okay, it wasn't ideal, but you know what, he tried. He tries to, a benefit of the doubt, silver lining situation. Mm. And um, I think through that, like, Ray sees an opportunity to potentially do some real good. Because mm. obviously these corporations aren't going to budge. But yeah. maybe someone who is down and out will switch, like yeah. uh, turn their life around, which is cool. Yeah, which I think adds depth to both Hancock even further, as well as as Ray. He's mm. really a good-hearted dude, and the system just is, has, yeah, he has no luck against the system right now. Yeah. What's your take? Any thoughts? Any opinions? Well, yeah, no, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Like, um, I even said to you, like that reminded me of the Fantastic Four scene where. Uh, on the bridge of the bus, and then there's that bus coming, and then like you know, thing like this. Yeah, that's right. right. It is this. So it sort of reminded me of that scene. And yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, one thing I do like is I like when he lands. Like he always causes that like crater, or like when like he like you know flies off. Like it always, there's always like that ripple effect and everything. It reminds me of like Henry Cavill's Superman when he like you know flies off. Like there's always that like that, like that um that like yeah, that shockwave type of thing. And especially like the first the scene in Man of Steel where like Superman is like learning how to fly like because that's my favorite scene in the whole movie like he's constantly like he's like falling into like this ass in the snow and everything that they, he's making these giant craters and everything I don't know I just really like that I always enjoy those sort of impacts as well which is why I like the train scene so much because to stop that thing dead yo yeah that's a lot of force in that moment anyway it's I'm going a little bit off track point is uh. Ray needs to get home now because his car is obviously totaled yeah. and he needs a lift. So Hancock flies him home and he ends up um, being invited for dinner, in for dinner. Yeah. So he meets the, he meets Ray's family, which is uh, his, his son, wife. his son and his, um, his wife. Played by Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron, yes. A South African. Yep. Shout <laughs> out. Shout out. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure what her name is. Her character name. Uh... Because he always just he usually just refers to her as like babe or something like that. So, hmm. Okay, well it doesn't matter. Point is, yeah. I'll just call her Charlize. I'll just call her. Yeah, just call her Charlize. It's easier. So Charlize is obviously skeptical of of. I almost said Iron Man. Goodness <laughs> of Hancock. She's aware that he's not well liked by the city, and she's kind of spooked but also intrigued by him so she puts on the news oh no sorry that's a later scene but they have this dinner and she he he kind of converses with um aaron the son yeah <laughs> talking about a bully problem but uh the charlie's does not agree she's kind of she she really just has this off-putting vibe with hancock she doesn't want anything to do with him you know she wants she's him very to leave. Uptight. she's very very uptight yeah that's a good way of saying it. she's uptight about him being there yeah, just like, you know, like saying like, oh, you know, yeah, but you know, he's going, his parents are going through a divorce. He's going through a very hard time. And I'm just like, you know, yeah, he's I'm sure he's going through a very hard time. It is understandable and everything, but he's still bullying the kid. Mm. He's still pushing the kid around. That's still not cool. But anyway, um, I was going to say now, um, she's basically outnumbered because Aaron, Aaron likes, likes Hancock and Ray, Ray, Ray wants to, work, to work, with him. work with him, so she's kind of on the losing side, and I think she she sort of gets salty about that. Anyway, Hancock leaves, um, or oh, he's on his way out, and Ray pitches to him. He's like, "Okay, uh, do you mind 
helping me with this, you know, thing, and then I'll make your life better. Something like that, you know. He sort of um, wants to turn Hancock's life around because he's like, I see deep down, you're actually, you know, you're a right guy. There's nothing wrong with you, but you're definitely misunderstood. So he wants to get him on the right track. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, uh, to give you just a little bit of a break. Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty good. Um, basically, uh, we get the whole bit where, like, you know, he's having a conversation with his wife, obviously, when they're in bed and everything. And she's saying, like, you know, he's, he's you know, he's destructive, he's irresponsible, all this type of stuff. And then, and then uh, uh, Hancock's obviously up there listening. And then uh, Hancock also kind of just gets to that point where he's just like, okay, fine, yeah, I, I need to, like, you know, be better or whatever. Mm. So he wakes up the next day, like, flies down, like, lands lands down um, uh, uh, there. And we get the very funny scene with his, with his, with his, uh, this, uh, I think his name is Michelle or something. Michelle like that. the bully. Yeah, the bully kid. He's like this kid with this like really long hair, blonde, long, long hair and everything. Thor wannabe. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like there. He's like, you know, like, oh, you're, you're, you're an asshole. <laughs> the way he says it, he has like, I think he's a French. Yeah, it's French. Yeah, because when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, he's French. Because yeah, like, I could pick up the accent. And uh, yeah, he keeps, uh, and there's a whole, there's a whole funny joke that they repeat a few times where it's like, you know, Hancock doesn't like being called it. And then, like, when people call him that, he's like, call me an one more time. One more time. <laughs> yeah. I love that recurring and then, like, And then, like, he, he picks the, he basically picks the kid up, he throws the kid up into the air, and then, like, Ray comes up, like, hey, what's up? And then Hancock keeps looking up. And then Hancock keeps looking up, just like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, let's just, let's just get inside. And, uh, and then he's like, he catches the kid. <laughs> Kid's traumatized. Yeah, he's shocked. He's, he's, he's then, got a new trauma for life. And then Ray's like, you know, like, like how's that conversation with his mom going to go? <laughs> and, then, and then they're on their way inside because this is Hancock's first day of training. So they have to, obviously, the first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem, right? Yeah. So they, um, Ray shows, <laughs> Shay Rose, Shay Rose, excuse me. Ray shows Hancock uh, some of his previous heroics that have ended with like some sort of destruction like the whale and the apartment fire where he goes to raid the ice cream truck and that sort of stuff his clothes are torn and tattered and he's like you know like yeah you know like, he's like come on hancock you know there were children there he's like have you ever tried to put out a fire fire entire fire building he's like no i haven't um and uh, anyway as they as they're still walking in when after he just arrived he's like um you, you know, you really need to come in with softer landings because he destroyed the road as we just mentioned earlier about the impacts he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, that was there when I got here. He's like, I know my street. Don't I'm lie to me. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> so it's just Ray and Hancock at home. He had, uh, Hancock is kind of getting upset. You know, he picks him up with the bottle because obviously Ray is calling him out on how he's... He's being a, a dick, basically, and he's deep down, he's he's good, and they have to sort of really address this issue. So the wife comes home, Charlize and Aaron, and she puts the news on, and it turns out they're calling for his arrest. The city, whoever it was, is calling for his... Oh, I thought it was finished. No, no, no. Um, I was just reaching my arm. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, they've called for his arrest and uh, Ray thinks this is actually a good idea because there's no better way to change his the public's view of him than by actually changing his actions. And by by going to jail, he's admitting he was in the wrong and he wants to do better. Yeah. It's a good, good approach, actually. Yeah, it is. So I don't think it was really the 
the goal that um, Charlize wanted. She seems very upset by that idea. She was just hoping he would, Hancock would be out of their lives and that would be it. But Ray just was like, no. Just go to a different city. Just leave LA. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then um, Ray was like, no, this is a good idea. <laughs> so he has to, he go. he gives a public announcement. I'm not sure which, where he was for that announcement. Some sort of union building maybe. And he says he has a lot of issues and he's willing to do better. And he, he goes to jail. That's it. Hancock goes to jail. <laughs> yep. Which I think is great. So they have this sort of uh, like montage of him being put into jail, you know, fingerprints, uh, yeah. handcuffs, uniform, mugshot, all that stuff. And now he ends up in jail. He's, he's, he's uh, reborn, as it were, because yeah. he's, he's trying to be the nice guy. He's not trying to instigate fights. He's like, I'm just, I just want to go to my cell. You know, you guys do your thing. There's these two guys standing in front of him. They're not letting him pass. I'm just... And he's like, you know, if you don't let me pass, your head is going up his butt. <laughs> I didn't think, because he, he did that reference in the beginning. You didn't think he would uh, do it. I, mean, I didn't think he'd actually do it. But it's also kind of just like, what are you guys doing? Like, you stand for him, like, yeah, you know, you were cold. It's just like, you know, you do realize he can just smack you, right? He could like, throw you both into the sun. Like, into the sun? I was thinking into the wall. <laughs> You're like, into the sun? <laughs> he could do that if he wanted he to. He could, I'm sure he could. And he didn't even have to try hard. Yeah, exactly, man. So, I'm going on a little bit here, but... Basically, he goes to prison, and now he's... This is Act 2, where he's... He's... Going on the path to righteousness. Yes. He's, he's going through rehab, and... He's learning to become more... Socially accepting. And yeah. accepted. Yeah. It's a two-way street. So, he he gets frustrated around, I'm not sure how long his sentence is at that point when, when so Ray visits him. They said they said eight years or whatever. Yeah, no, no. I mean, um, I know eight years is more I think like it, four and a I half. Think it, I think it's more like in a sense of that, that they're basically, he's in prison, but they haven't given him his, given him his, like, his actual full sentence yet. Yeah. And then when they, Trace tells him that's eight years, he's like, Hell no, he gets yeah. up and, and, he, and he, tr he wants to break out. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how long he's been in jail at that point, like a couple of days, I think. I think it's, yeah, I think it's just been like a couple of days mm. for him. Anyway, um, he wants to leave and then Ray said, you know, um, you're just proving them right. You should just stay in here and trust the process. And eventually, because the crime rate is going through the roof now that you're no longer here, just, they will call you, just wait. So he, you can see Hancock kind of like, he tears up and he's frustrated because he knows Ray is right, that the world sees him as a huge, you know, prick. <laughs> yeah. And so he decides, no, okay, I'll stay. He, he's a real bully in basketball, though, because <laughs> he just throws the ball from across the court and he gets it in almost every time. You know those scenes. Yeah, yeah. So, now it's, he's, he's serving his time in prison and it's it's very reflective time because... You see him a lot, he keeps to himself and um, he draws on all the walls in his wall. Like he draws family and that, that eagle logo of his all yeah. across. He draws with his nails. Yeah, is... and it, yeah, and he keeps going to those like those uh, sharing sessions uh -huh. and then those prisoners, they share all the stuff that they're doing and everything like that. And then, um, you know, they always ask like, you know, Hancock, do you want to say something? He's just like, pass. Pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pass. Um, and also, but... uh, uh, sorry, I was just... 
I was saying to you that like when he's in the prison and everything, I'm like, yeah, this is a prequel to Suicide Squad. This is when he meets Amanda Waller. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, you did reference that it, it would be so funny if it was a prequel. Mm. So Hancock turned dead shot. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that's pretty much what happens up until he eventually, he's in his cell, he's passed out. Oh, and just before I get to this point, he's visited by... Charlize and Aaron. Yeah. And they, they just give him some spaghetti madness, as they call it, which is what they ate when he came to dinner with them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, she just sort of says, whatever you're doing with Ray, just don't let him down. And he doesn't really respond. He sort of looks at her because he knows there's something about her that's, um, I don't know, it's just on his mind. I don't think he really has an idea of what, but there's something about this woman. Yeah. So she leaves and uh, Aaron leaves the little dinosaur with this helicopter. I hope the mic didn't pick up the helicopter that just went over us. It probably picked it up. Probably. <laughs> Think in his sign language. <laughs> anyway, he le Aaron leaves him the dinosaur because he really likes this dinosaur toy. And what I like is you see that little toy right on Hancock's yeah, uh, shelf. Yeah, he does. He does I think that's really cool because yeah. he, he has like a friend almost. Yeah. Uh, not the toy. I mean the, the young boy is, is like a friend to him. Yeah. So, anyway, during that scene, he gets called. He's like woken up by one of the officers. He's like, "Hey, you know, I need you to wake up." And Hancock's like, "No, oh, five more minutes." <laughs> so he's like, "Hey, man, you got a phone call. It's the chief of police. He's looking for you." Yeah. So Hancock, he he knows now his time is he's come. The crime the crime wave is sweeping LA, and you know now is his first chance to be a real hero and not destroy things. Yeah. So he he, he puts on the suit that he. He doesn't like, and he fly, He shaves. He cleans up. I wish I could shave like he could with his yeah, nails. Yeah, just like, just like mm. that would be so nice. Yeah. Anyway, and he arrives. He arrives, and it turns out that there's some sort of a bank robbery with a slash hostage situation. And yeah, they got these like automatic assault rifles and these like military grade weapons and everything. So they they just and there's this one um, police officer that's like that's hiding behind a car. And then she's pinned down, and the problem is the other the other officers can't get to her because of these machine gun guards and mm. everything. So and she's wounded as well. Hancock, and then there's also that whole thing where, like, you know, during the montage, the racist and like, you know, like, you know, you know, one thing you should say to police officers, you know, when you fly down is like, you know, good job. And then like, so then like when he when he flies down to help these cops, he just keeps saying like, yeah, good job, yeah, good, good job. I love that. I love the first time he says it when he's like, oh, um, then he like leans in and he's like. Good job. <laughs> the way he says it, it's so forced that everyone is looking at him like, yeah. And then they're also looking at his suit, and he's like, uh, it's a little tight, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. so what are your what are your what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the suit actually? The black and green. Yeah, the black and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a more isn't more like a yellow. It's a yeah, it's like a yellowish yeah, like green. A yellow, yellowish green on the on the shoulders. Like yeah. the finish. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I thought I thought it was very simplistic, which is cool. It's, uh, I don't know what kind of material it's made of because it's leather. bulletproof. Yeah, but leather's not bulletproof. Yeah, I know, but uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But I meant like obviously like in real life, the actual costume. Yeah, yeah, it's probably some sort of leather spandex. <laughs> yeah. I like that design. I'm glad they put the logo, uh, not a, well, his unofficial logo, the eagle. Hmm. It's quite a lot of symbolism with that eagle for me. I don't know why, because even in that scene with the, the shootout and the robbery before he gets inside, yeah. there's that eagle statue. Yeah. And now all they need to do is just put like a little, little S on the on the front there and then 
just, you know, little thing, just, you know, oh, yeah. push, push that into the DC site, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, same, same cock. <laughs> yeah, no, Superman. No, I know, I know what you meant. Yeah. But obviously they have such legal issues, <laughs> so yeah. his name is same cock. Yeah. But, yeah, no, um, I like the costume. Uh, I think it looks really good at Will Smith. It does reek of the early 2000s, though. It does. During that X-Men Blade, Blade era where they were basically like, you know, like, okay, we're not going to give them their actual iconic costumes. We're just going to have them dress in black leather the entire time. I remember that was one thing that, like, always disappointed me about the about the original early X-Men movies was that they always used to wear these leather leather outfits. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, wear the actual costume? Like, I remember when I first saw Wolverine in his leather outfit, I'm like, why isn't he wearing his costume? And then my parents like, he doesn't need to wear the costume. I'm like... Uh, uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> like, put on the actual costume. Oh, yeah, the, the yellow suit, yellow and blue. Yeah. It's true, he never wears that thing. Oh, anyway, I like the suit on Hancock. It's not... I preferred him much when he, would, when he wore, like, shorts and Nike sneakers. I thought that was a more iconic or a casual look for him as a, as a crime-fighting yeah, outfit. But yeah, obviously but they had to change it. You're a superhero. You need to have a superhero costume. Exactly. You need to have your super suit. Your super suit? Where yeah. is my super suit? You can even play that role. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Um, where, is my, where is my super suit? So Hancock is actually the spin-off of Frozone. After his yeah. wife left him, he descended into alcoholism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Um, so he, get, he takes out these robbers, a lot of them. But this is where you meet the real... He's sort of the antagonist of the movie. I think I think he's I think Hancock is actually his biggest his own worst antagonist. Especially yeah. in the early phases. You know, he refuses to to improve himself until he, he's forced to. Yeah. He's kind of his own worst enemy. But also this guy is also the main bad guy of the film. Whatever his name is, or who can they just um, called him Red on the news. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Mr. Kentucky Fried Southern accent. That's He's actually. Uh, I do know that actor. Though. That actor actually is. Uh, that actor actor actually is British. So when he started, at first I thought, oh, he's gonna have a British accent, and then it's like he's got a Southern accent. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you should have said he had a British accent. Anyway, he's robbing this bank, and he Hancock foils his plans, and he also chops off his hand, saving all the hostages. Yeah, like like takes that like drum set, turns it's like a bladed weapon, like you know what's his face in Mortal Kombat, just. Fatality. Oh, Kung Lao, yeah. Yeah, Kung Lao. Takes fatality. his handles with that pressure sensor. Because he called him, because he called him an a Don't call him an a Time you hear that, that, that word, that like, drumby plays, <laughs> and Hancock's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> He's just like, call me an a He's like, oh, I really don't like that word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he just chucks that disc he made and cuts his hand off. Yeah. Love that. So anyway, that's that's quite, you you'd think that would be the end of it. Like you you wouldn't see him that villain again or bad guy. But they I don't know they need some sort of antagonist for mm, the movie. Of course. So obviously he's going to obviously and I'm like oh he's coming back. Mm. He's not he's not he's not a thing. So I think at this point he's pretty much I think he's let out of jail. Yeah, they just let him out of jail. They, they were like point. you know what whatever man you seem alright now it's cool. You saved you saved you have a new costume you saved you saved. A bunch of hostages and uh, yeah, so good job. You, you good job. Yeah. You're, you're okay though. Yeah. So he he to celebrate. He goes to a family dinner uh, with Charlize and Ray and himself. This 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 scene to me is fascinating because of what they do with the camera. And I'll circle back to that when we talk about camera. But 
it's a very reflective scene and kind of like an origin story for him yeah, because, and for Ray. Yeah, because uh, he's like sitting there and eating with them and then he says like, you know, like, you know, how did you guys, how did you guys meet to them? Uh, he says, Ray's goes on about how, no, my wife, you know, my wife passed away, you know, giving birth to Aaron and then I was a single dad and didn't know what I was doing, taking care of this baby and then I was in the aisle looking for like, you know, like different types of diapers. I didn't know what I was looking for. Then that's when he meets, you know, Charlize and then obviously, you know, she basically became like, you know, uh, like a, a rock frame and everything like that. And mm, sort yeah. of helped him through that phase. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Cool. Yeah. And, and then, then, yeah, they, and then, then they ask him like, you know, oh, well, you know, what about you, Hancock? And then he obviously gives his whole origin about how he woke up with amnesia at the you know, hospital and they couldn't, when they tried to like operate him or like inject needles into him, it broke and he had powers. He obviously had like invulnerability and everything. And then, and then he couldn't remember his name and then nobody came to collect him and then um, uh, nobody came to collect him or whatever. And then uh, uh, when the nurse asked for his John Hancock, that's where his name, he got the name Hancock and everything. Mm. And he said like, oh, why did I ever read about this in newspapers? Like, you prob it probably was a newspaper 80 years ago. 80 years ago. Yeah, because they don't age. Yeah, because in 1920, he was back in 1928. Because this mm. was 2008, so that would be 1928. Yeah, yeah, if you if you take it like that, true. So that's pretty much his origin story in a nutshell. Um, they, they cut to after, like, because everyone's sort of in tears at this point, like a little bit, you know, it was quite an emotional scene and they, they eventually end up going home. Ray is drunk, so Hancock is taking him up the stairs, putting him in bed. And this is where the, the film takes an interesting turn because I didn't really expect it. But basically, Hancock is... Is not letting go of this feeling that there's something up with this this woman. Like he knows something is up, so he goes and he. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what his plan was, but um, yeah, they basically they kiss and then she basically like pushes him and then he goes flying through the flying through the house and like into the streets and like slams into a car and everything like that. And you're like, oh, okay, so she has she has superpowers too. Yeah, she's basically the same as him. She also has the same powers. She, throws him and the fridge yeah so he, he leaves and it immediately cuts to ray waking up getting his morning coffee and he turns and he looks there's this huge crater in his wall yeah, and then before that charlie she goes out to, out to where the fridge is and she goes to go get some eggs and then, and then when he when he sees this crater in the wall she's like walking up saying oh honey you want yeah. some eggs want some eggs yeah <laughs> and um she accuses well, she doesn't cues, but she said Hancock sneezed. Yeah. And that's the reason there's a huge hole in the wall. And she even, like, plays down her powers. Yeah, she's she like, plays down, and then, like, when she when she gets out of jar, she tries to open it. She, like, pretends to be weak. She's like, oh, honey, could you, like, open this? Whatever, then he gets a towel yeah. to obviously open it and everything. Yeah, no, she plays it well in terms of keeping it undercover. She's and then, a real sly. Yeah, and then basically, basically and then there's a whole thing where Hancock shows up, and then... Uh, uh, he's like basically like testing it, like he like tries to like stabs her with a knife, but like breaks. He like you know smacks her with like a with like a wooden pen, and like gets two pans. He's about to hit her, and she turns around, <laughs> and he's like, uh, "I know there's something up with you. You, I want to talk to you like alone." And he's he's like, like, "I could do this all day." Yeah, I could really do this all day. I love how Ray is on the phone as well, and he keeps making noise, and he's like, "Do you mind?" Yeah, <laughs> and Cock is just breaking the whole kitchen apart. Yeah. <laughs> So she agrees to meet him at his caravan park. No, no address, no nothing. Just meet me at my trailer, which is in some 
desert. <laughs> well, she probably, she probably like, she probably flew around the planet, looked for it, found it, and then was like, okay, fine, let me come with my car, just to not be conspicuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true actually, because in the um, theatrical release, she doesn't drive up at all. It starts where she steps into his trailer. That whole beginning part of her driving up doesn't exist in the theatrical. No, okay. So I thought that was very unusual. Like, why would she drive there at all? Mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, they have this conversation and they sort of hint that they had a, a past together, which we elaborate on much later in the film. Not much later, but later. And the whole idea is Hancock is not accepting her answers because she's being vague and obscure so he's like no no i'm gonna go and tell ray he's just like yeah yeah you see uh yeah. he's like you know so what are we we to each other like brother and sister he's like bullshit <laughs> anyway i don't i think i'd like your what are your what is your take on that because they can't be brother and sister and husband and wife unless they you know from alabama <laughs> now i think i think also she's just trying to lie to him she's trying to like trick him or whatever and he's obviously just like nah nah man no way, no way are you going to be kissing me if you, if you actually my sister or whatever, mm. like that. Um, you think, okay, sorry, you finish first. Yeah, no, sorry. I also just, I think it's also just like, you know, because we find out later, obviously, that they're, they're like these immortals, part of this like immortal race of beings or whatever. And um, uh, uh, they've basically been lovers for like, you know, thousands of years or whatever. And then they sort of had like a, had like a breakup or whatever. And then, because uh, Hancock was, was was defending her against someone, because the problem is when the two of them are together, they are just normal people. They don't have powers or anything like that. It's when it's when, it's when they're apart from each other that actually have, they have these like Superman ability, Superman like abilities. And um, yeah, so basically, she basically when he uh, he was, and the thing is, people always turn on the two of them. Two of them, it always happens to them every millennia, or whatever. And then he was defending her, and then he got knocked on the head like really bad, which causes amnesia. And when she went to the hospital to go fetch him, and she found out that like he didn't even recognize her, she was kind of like, you know, wait, okay, no wait, this is, you know, we should actually just rather be apart from each other. Yeah, she used the, the chance to forget him. Because the problem is that our relation, uh, us being together, it's just too destructive and everything like that. And then obviously, you know, she was living obviously for, by herself for like eighty years or whatever. And then that's when she actually meets Ray. At the at the at the supermarket like you know thing and then yeah, and she's she's basically her chance of just having a she just wants to have a normal life. A normal him. life exactly, and that's why she's so upset with Hancock because he always comes back and like ruins whatever she's built, not purposefully, but still he does. Yeah, because it's uh, fate. Like they're always destined to meet up with each other and everything like that. True, true. And she even says, uh, "You decide your own fate," which is kind of cool towards the end because um, they don't end up together. Hmm. I think. Coming back to my original question, I think she said they're brother and sister in a in a like a metaphorical sense, like how I would call you, you know, like you're my brother, but we're not, we're not, we're not related. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what we mean. She's sort of like same species, you know, yeah. brother and sister like that. I, I, that's how I take it because my goodness, <laughs> I don't need I don't need Hancock ruined by. Uh, yeah, you know, some guests to some uh, Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. so and, uh, 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 yeah, the, it could be that she could be referring to it that way. I think it's more just a sense of maybe she's you know because obviously he doesn't remember everything, so she's trying to sort of like give him some false information so that he would stop thing, but also just so that he doesn't think. But obviously Hancock and just he just sees right through it. Mm. So that type of thing, and 
Yeah, no, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, uh, in DC Comics, uh, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Because, uh, uh, okay, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, their origin is very complicated. They've got multiple different origins due to reboots and everything like that. Uh, one, and the problem is every time they show up in the comic book, it's always a different, or they can never make up their mind which origin they want to keep and which origin they want to. Sort of like Joker, <laughs> Dark Knight. For, for RTR, exactly. Uh, but basically, uh, the, 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 the main origin is that they're like they're part of this alien race. Called the, I think they're called the Thungarians or whatever, and they're basically like this Green Lantern sort of like police force type of thing. That's the one, that's the main origin that most people know. But then there's the other origin where these, they're, they're Egyptian gods and they're immortal. Well, immortal in the sense that they do die, but the problem is they get reincarnated every like few decades or whatever. Everything like that, so... <sighs> like, two, a, like a phoenix. Yeah, like a phoenix type of thing. So the two of them, so the two of them being like these like lovers uh, who are always immortal and everything like that. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of reminded me a lot of like Hawk, Hawk, um, Hawkman, Hawkwoman. Mm. So maybe they drew inspiration from that. It's entirely possible. I mean, a lot of things would be inspired by other comics for this movie. Mm. So it's entirely possible. Um, anyway, Hancock is is frustrated with this woman because she's not being straightforward. She's kind of like. You know, typical one-word answers. <laughs> one-word answers, like just like you know, like you know, how's your day? Okay. Uh, okay. How you doing? It's like I'm fine. Then it's like it's like it's like it's like oh well, uh, I got a promotion to work today. Thumbs up emoji. Yeah. <laughs> what was I do with that? Yeah. What was I? What was I do with this information? <laughs> anyway. So he says, no, he's going to go and tell Ray the truth that she's also a so like a superhero type lady. And uh, she's like, no, she doesn't want to. She wants to keep her life separate. And that she agreed to meet him and answer his questions if he'd leave. But he says, no, deal's off. You know, I'm telling Ray. So they have this fight in the city, which is kind of cool. Like you can see it's, it's late 2000 CGI. It's, it's very like green screen-esque, but I, yeah. I, love it. I love that about it. The only thing that doesn't make sense, uh, like I'll, I'll cover the fight scene in, in more detail now, but uh, the only thing that doesn't make sense to me is the tornadoes. Yeah, that's what I'll say to you as well. I, I was like, I was like, we were just sitting watching this, I'm like, why is there tornadoes and storms? And is she like, did, is, she, did, is she like stormed? Does she have like electricity, like weather powers or something like that? I mean, you were just like, no, it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's just their energy together. That's what I was saying. I think it's when their energy, like when they come together and they're obviously fighting, then, you know, shit happens like that. That was, know, that was my I logic. Just, I don't know, it's just very weird. I would have just, I would have been fine if they were just fighting and mm. that was it. Fair enough, yeah. No worries. I totally understand. Cause it yeah, you, is... see, you can see all the electrical storm stuff on the Blu-ray cover there and I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah, no. There we go. For the people. For the people. You can see the stormy cover and that. Uh, there is that one funny bit where they're busy talking and then, and then um, sort of like how he has the whole thing where like, you know, like call me a all the time. She has a thing where, you know, you're crazy and she's like, and she stops and she turns like, call me crazy one more time. <laughs> Cuckoo. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Uh, that. I think I think that's the writers being like being very bitchy, being very bitchy with their wives and everything. Because you know, you know, there's always that there's always that joke where like if you call a woman, uh, obviously I don't mean to be sexist and I'm not trying to offend anybody, so I, I do mean this. I'm just joking around you and everything like that. But you know, when you call a don't ever, there's always that rule of men don't ever call a woman a girl crazy because she will kill you. 
She'll butcher you. She'll you some ditch. She'll butcher you or whatever. So that, that so I thought I always thought that was very funny. That <laughs> she's like meta commentary. That she has her own like little thing thing similar to him. Yeah, her own phrase. I had the same thought. I was like, I'm glad they did this. It's not the same phrase, but it's pretty pretty much the same effect. Yeah. Um so they have this huge well it's not a huge fight, but they have a fight while Ray is giving a pitch meeting to um, another corporation is trying to sell his his all heart brand again, but they're not interested. Of course, they're like, they're can like we just talk about Hancock? Can we just talk about Hancock? Yeah, that's literally all they say. It's like I thought we were going to talk about the Hancock, and he's like number two. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps going off about his pitch, and they just refuse to accept it. Yeah, and Leonard from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Leonard from Big Bang Theory makes there. a cameo, which I thought was pretty cool. So during the fight, this the office building he is pitching and is conveniently damaged by their fight. So he can sort of see them have that fight on the street and he clicks, okay, this woman is like OP, you know? So he works out something is is wrong with this lady. So Hancock has has her pinned, even though she said she was stronger than him. So I'm like, hmm. <laughs> anyway. I think that's more just like her just trying to show off. Yeah. Just trying to show off like, yeah, I'm stronger than you. <laughs> yeah, or she's she's like... Yeah, because I was also thinking to myself like, like, yeah, but why would you be stronger than him? Like, that wouldn't make any sense. Mm. Like, give me an actual reason why you're stronger, not this fake, fake <laughs> one word answer stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, she he apologizes to her for, because obviously he still doesn't have a memory of who she really is. So he apologizes for whatever he might have been or done in the past yeah, because, life. Because he thinks because he thinks he must have been like some total total to have been hit like that or whatever. Mm. So he he apologizes to her and then they both sort of work out, okay, Ray has seen them, you know, the secret is out. For some reason it, it then cuts to them being at home. Not no, exactly them. them. Ray is at home. Like yeah. he just went home. <laughs> and it must have been a, a, like a couple of hours later. Well, obviously the meeting's over, but yeah, I'm going to continue on, and he's obviously upset, so he just wants to go home. Mm, have a beer. <laughs> just to go home, have a beer, you know, have a beer, play games with his son, whatever. Exactly. So, they both arrive, and and he confronts them, he's like, you know, what the heck, you couldn't... You couldn't have mentioned that in the, on the first date. That's what I love about how he says it, he's like, yeah, it's something you bring up on a first date, yeah, I'm a mortal. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm allergic to, I'm allergic to cats. I like long walks on the beach. I'm immortal. <laughs> um, and so they sort of go their separate way. She leaves. She goes somewhere. Don't know where she goes. And Hancock is also sort of distraught. Everyone's fighting at this point. Yeah. Like, they're not talking to each other. So he goes, he goes to the liquor store, obviously, to go, you know, try and indulge himself once more. And then he goes up to the counter and the guy's like, you know, 9150. He's like, 9150? What are you talking? What are you talking about? And then the guy's like sort of like signaling him that like there's there's a bunch of burglars underneath and he's like he just reaches in, like pulls them out, like throws them through the window. I think that scene is well done actually, because he's like 9110. He says 9110, and then I'm like, that's such an unusual price. Even he's like, that's that's a lot of money for two bottles, $91. But then he puts the he covers the zero and it says nine one one, and then he like points to the guys underneath. I was like, "That's actually clever." Well done. That was that was very clever. So anyway, there's he throws the one guy through the fridge, and the other guy is keeping the teller hostage, and he's like, um, "My whatever candy bar versus your your gun. Let's see who wins." So he he kills him, but Hancock is now of course close to his 
you know, his so opposite lady. Yeah. His so opposite lady. So when he gets shot, the bullet actually goes through and actually hurts him. And hurts him, and, and now he's he's vulnerable. Yeah. So Hancock is rushed to hospital, which is something that the um, the news finds incredibly interesting because they're all hounding Ray as he's going to hospital, and he's like. You know, is there some sort of new bullet technology or whatever? They're harassing him, you know, reporters. Yeah, reporters. Yeah. Jumping on the story. Yeah, jumping on the story, exactly. And at the, for some reason, Charlize is there at the hospital as well. She's, she's obviously, like, snuck in because she has, like, a robe. Unless oh. she actually works there. I don't think so. But no, she doesn't. Oh. No. Well, yeah, I remember, she's always drawn to this guy. So, mm. yeah, she basically is saying to him that, look, no, you know, we were, we were lovers and everything. We always lived together, but no matter what happened, destruction always came. And like, you know, what happened was, I think they didn't have powers. And then some people were trying to attack her and then he defended her, but then he got knocked on the head. And then, yeah, then like I said earlier, basically like, and then when she saw that he didn't have his memory and didn't remember who she was, he was like, okay, no, this is, it's better if we, if we're, if we stay apart from each other. Mm. That's basically what it ties into. But she explains that they were like obviously in a relationship over the years because she goes all the way back to like 1850 and then she says like 19, 4,000 BC. Yeah, something like 3,000 years, something like that. Anyway, um, during that scene, a ray is also coming up in in the elevator and we get a shot of old uh, Captain Hook. Captain, <laughs> Captain Hook, yes, he he escaped from prison and he's looking for revenge with those two guys that tried to jump Hancock in prison. The three of them, basically. Yeah. And now because Hancock is vulnerable, and so is she, um, it's it's kind of boss fight time because yeah. he's lost his you know yeah. abilities. Yeah, yeah, they try to shoot him and then she tries to step in front, but then she gets shot and obviously the bullet's affecting her. So he flies over, puts her on another bed so the doctors can get can start to tend to her and then he starts to fight these guys i don't like how the, I, I don't like how that seems edited i'll, um, I'll just uh, say right now i okay. don't like how it's edited I, do, I want to get your take before we come back to you okay well let's start with you well why what don't you like about it it's it's too much quick cutting it's so much quick cutting in the music and it's just very like it's very jumpy and just all over the place i'm just going what is going on and everything i understand i understand why they were doing it I understand why they're doing it. And look, the thing is, you know, obviously from an editing, from, from, from you know, as an editor to an editor, uh, you know, it is subjective, you know, so obviously this is just my opinion. Somebody else will look at it and go, that's the thing. And I'm not trying to knock the editors for this movie or anything. It's, you know, obviously it's their edit. It was their style. It's what they wanted to do with the scene. So I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, flashed. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying for me personally, I just didn't, I didn't really like how it was cut and edited together. But I mean, the thing is, that's how editors are with each other. I mean, even you and me, we like have, we like have fistfights every now and then on how you and me edit our episodes because we edit episodes separately and we have both have very different editing styles and everything exactly. like that. No, of yeah. course. So I, I get what you mean from that point of view. It's fair enough. Um, I wanted to say, what do you think? Do you think there's a connection because where he was shot and where he was shot were identical? No, where the two of them were shot. Yeah. It could be. You think there's some sort of connection? I never noticed it before, but I thought it might be interesting. Yeah, I think also the thing is they kind of feel each other's pain because the thing do. is, as he's getting shot, she's also sort of like taking taking the shots as well. Even though she's not being physically shot, she's still. All right. So, uh, what I was saying before the camera cut off was that um, 
she's sort of feeling his pain, but I think actually, well, now that I think about it, actually, now what I think what actually was happening was that as he's getting shot, they're busy, like, obviously, like, you know, using the things to, like, revive us, so her body's, like, you know, going up and down like that. It's kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess they're kind that. of, they're trying to, like, edit it to the beat, so that it's, like, you know, the exact same. I get the connection, yeah. I think that she does actually feel the pain, because remember when he gets stabbed? Yeah. She, uh... She also screams, and like yeah. when his face gets bashed by that canister. So I think she does feel it, but I I see what you mean with the whole you know, yeah, uh, defibrillation machine. Yeah. Uh, is that, is that is that what it's called? I think so. Okay, whatever. Point is, I don't I don't mind that scene. You said you don't like how it's edited. I can I can agree with you. It's a bit janky. It's a bit janky and a bit kind of like all over the place but uh, but again like i said it's just a it's just an editing style obviously you know from one editor to another you know everyone has different styles it's just you know just you know just for me personally it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like how i would have edited it or whatever like that no it's fair enough it's yeah. perfectly subjective um what do you think of like the main bad guys? Because the two lackeys, they got wrecked quickly, thankfully. I like that. They basically went flying. <laughs> I enjoyed that. But what do you think of uh, Captain Hook? I just go, like, dude, can you just, dude, just die? Yeah, he has a bit of a, a, a grudge, doesn't he? Like, okay, it's understandable, especially if like, the team they're trying to make They're trying to make him like, like Hancock's Lex Luthor or something. I'm just like, nah, man. This is boring. But come on, give me, give me an actual villain, an actual super villain for him to fight. Somebody actually with powers. That would have been more fun. But I don't know the whole, the whole, um, the whole, uh, just like a noble guy going after him. Just like so boring. Fair enough. I really like, I like him as a villain, be not because of who he is, but because he doesn't have powers. Because I still think that the biggest enemy in this whole movie is Hancock himself. Yeah, he's the most self-destructive person mm. in the whole film and it takes a real wake-up call you know others are dying because of him to actually turn his life around mm, yeah and in his in his like when hancock is down and out because he has no powers now he has to deal with this other idiot that's a real challenge because he yeah. has to look inward and face his his problems which i think is cathartic you know yeah exactly so i like him as a villain okay he's, I know he's a bit wonky and he's got a hardcore grudge but from a an introspective is that a word you know inward looking um study it was necessary for me and i'm glad yeah. so that would be my take so anyway hancock eventually defeats this guy Oh, no, he doesn't actually. So Ray, 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 Ray comes with the axe and like chops the guy on the other hand over. He's like, really? Really? And Hancock is basically killed. He's been shot a few times, as long as as well as Charlize. She's also dead. And for some, like for a long time, you think that's it, they're gone. And it's it's actually nice because they have the, the like fire system spraying the whole time. Yeah. It's very like um, ambient scene. <laughs> anyway, Hancock... Gets back up. He gets back up barely, like he's barely clinging to life, and he realizes he has to get away from Charlize, like proximity-wise, in order to for them to be saved, yeah. both him and her. And I really like that first jump where he jumps out the hospital window yeah. and he lands on the bus. That thing is cool. So as as he, he 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 gets these like leaps that are very weak, he doesn't jump very far, but he's getting there. 
and her heart rate starts coming back alive. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. But I really like that last that last jump he does, and, and he, he like to... shouts, and the echo. Oh. Yeah, he just like he just like flies up to the moon and everything like that. Uh huh. And while you hear that that echo of his voice, like her eyes open, I really like that that editing technique. Yeah, I that was that was brilliant. So, so now they they survived barely. And Hancock, I think, for he probably disappeared for a couple of weeks. I think he just spent time on the moon. He's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit on the moon, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, then uh, it cuts to a month later. You know, she's fine. She's eating ice cream and Aaron and everything. She's walking with Aaron and uh, Ray, and then uh, and then uh, Hancock, like you know, like calls calls him up and he's got his like suit on and everything, and then. And then uh, he says, like, you know, he calls up Ray and says, you know, look up. And then Ray looks up at the moon and then he's got this, like, little... Uh, Hancock made this little, like, heart shape on the moon for him. Mm, his logo. That all-heart thing. Yeah, to get the all-heart thing up and running and everything like that. Just to kind of help him out. And, yeah, it was a good scene. And then, yeah, then, like, you know, Hancock's sitting there. There's, like, the eagle there with him. And then, like, you know, he, like, flies down. And just, like, yeah, the epic Superman ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there is a post credit scene. Is there a postscript? Uh, yeah, I forgot that it existed. Let me tell you what happened. It's basically this guy robs like a liquor store, a low-level thug, and um, the cops swarm him on like a four-way stop, so he's surrounded completely, and he takes a woman as a hostage, and he's like, um, all right, you know, you're going to let me free, and you're going to let me take the cash and all that. And then, and then Hancock lands, and he's like, um, uh, you know, this and that, or, you know, I'm going to shoot you. You hear me? And Hancock just smiles. He's like, you know, you've done it now. And then that's how it ends. It's like, okay, nice. That is actually pretty good. Uh, he does. He really doesn't like that word. And that's the end of it. I like this film. I know uh, you shouldn't think too much about it. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's, I still argue if this movie came out around 2019, when, when cinema started exploring darker versions of the superhero comics, like look at Brightburn came yeah. out there. Look at The Boys. There's another yeah. example. Hancock would have done so much better. Yeah, I think it would have done well in the, in the during the MCU and the band of superhero movies and everything like that. So. Well, Hancock is before its time. Yeah, yeah, it is before its time. I, I remember even saying that to my friend as well when I watched this movie for the first time. It's before its time, and I I definitely recommend it. <laughs> I just, yeah. I love the I love the um, the idea that Hancock's own worst enemy is still himself. To me, you can't change that. Yeah. It's, it's ingenious because most most superhero genre films, they have, you know, they have a big bad. The big opposing battle. Villain. Yeah, exactly. But um, he has to look inward to himself to become a hero, which is cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to word it right, but I hope that people understand. No, 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 it makes sense, man, it makes sense. So that's why I think I like it so much. He's, he's really a misunderstood character. He is, He yeah. should be on the new Avengers. I mean, especially now that he's, you know, alcohol-free and stuff like that. Yeah. He, he should be there. We don't need no Shang-Chi. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But we don't I need wish no Eternals or anything like that. Yeah, exactly, whoever they are. They still don't know what they want to be, apparently. Anyway, um... Hancock should be in the next Avenger. Yeah. So, what is your take? If if you or do you have something to ask me or? No, I don't really have much to ask. I I really enjoyed it. I think it's good. It's not my favorite movie ever. I'd probably give it like a seven out of ten. But I mean, it's a it's an enjoyable superhero movie, and it was fun to go back to a movie that I never a super movie that I never watched when it came out, and kind of see how it is compared to everything else that's coming up now. Hmm. 
Well, look, at the end of the day, at least they took risks. At least That's they, true. At least they took risks. At least they did something different. I mean, not like the MCU, where every single movie is exactly the freaking same. Formulaic. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, I suppose we can go to, like, shots we fancied. I'll go first. I don't really have that many. Uh, the first one I like is is when Hancock is like hung over at his trailer and he sort of wakes up on that couch outside, that lazy boy, sort of like this chair. Yeah. And then he's looking at the sun. The yeah. camera's like behind him looking up. I think that's a cool shot. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's like some sort of metaphorical thing. Yeah, it is very cool. Like he's looking at the higher power or whatever. I don't know. It's I'm grasping at straws, but uh, I like it. And then... Um, yeah, I think another shot is definitely when Hancock leaps, that last leap, and he goes to the moon. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then she wakes up, like her eyes open. That one's very powerful. It is very powerful. But one thing I want to get your take on, I'm not sure if you've noticed, if you noticed it. In, in the um, emotional scene, pretty much any emotional scene, but most prominently is the dinner scene, right after Hancock's basically released. Yeah. The, they have a close-up of everyone's face, right? And the frame is covered entirely by someone else's head. So you only focus on the face. They did that for every person talking, that whole scene. And it's, you do, it's so hard to notice. I noticed it by chance. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice that. But yeah, but yeah you're right. It's, it's, it was fascinating it to me. Cool. And I'm not sure why they did that. I think it was drawing attention to just someone's facial expression. Mm. Like they, their, their facial acting had to be you know, top notch for those scenes. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. But it, it really fascinated me as a visual choice. Mm. Do you think there's some sort of logic behind that? Um, I really don't have a reasoning other than it's to create that really emotional connection between whoever they're talking to yeah, and I the audience. I think it's just to, just to create that emotional connection and yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I don't have anything outside of that. Oh, one shot I do like is is when Hancock, like, he grabs that last beer from his box right in the beginning and he destroys that bench. That shot is so mint. Yeah. <laughs> I fanboyed for that shot. The first time I saw it, I was like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Um, those are definitely my... F oh, another shot I do like quickly. My last shot is when, when Charlize is talking to Ray and they're going to bed. And then it has that crane that pans up and he's sitting on the roof like yeah. listening. That yeah. shot is nice. That is a nice shot. It's very, very beautiful. Other uh, than that, no, I think I'm okay. Yeah, nothing that was, was profound, but that camera thing they did with the faces was very intriguing to me. Mm. And I, I definitely like to incorporate that. Um, shots, do you have? Uh, for my, uh, I think for me, just in terms of shots, I just like, I like the shots when he's actually in the costume. Like there's that shot of him like walking between the cars and he's oh, yeah. got his suit, that's very cool. And I like the shot, like at the end when he's like standing on when he's sitting on top of that um, that like uh, uh, building or whatever, and he's got the eagle next to him and everything. I, I just like that shot because obviously I'm a comic book guy and I like superheroes and everything. So for me, like that those iconic suit costumes, uh, shots of him in the suit, those are like obviously going to be my favorite. Your standouts. Yeah. Fair enough. One thing I do like it's not a favorite shot of mine, but I you it's in the scene you're talking about when he's walking amongst the police cars and such. I like it how he's busy smiling and waving at everyone like good job and then the, everything is breaking apart behind you like the windows are shattering and, yeah. and he's just walking around smiles. Yeah. That scene makes me laugh. He's so oblivious. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, fair enough. I, I'm not sure if I have anything that I particularly learned from this film. Do you have a lesson? Maybe, while I think. I guess also it's also just a good example of having a tortured protagonist. Yeah. Having a tag, a tag, I mean, sorry, not an antagonist, a, a protagonist. Pro protagonist. Having a protagonist who's very unsure of himself, very tortured, very, you know, damaged in a way. And like them trying to like, you know, become better and everything like that. It's a very good, it's a very good, um, it's a very good story arc. It is, right? That's, that's pretty much my lesson as well that I would take is if you ever do a superhero comic, uh, sorry, superhero script, um, maybe it's not always the best approach to have a villain that's pretty much like them, but just bad. Yeah. Sometimes, because he's a bad guy, he's an anti-hero almost. Like yeah. He's, he's not really worried about destruction or anything like that. And I think anti-heroes, they're my favorite type of characters. Yeah. Like... Uh, some good anti-heroes. Who's a good anti-hero? Deadpool? The Punisher. Punisher. Uh, Heisenberg. He starts off as an anti-hero and then he's just a villain. Hmm. Who else? But you get what I mean. Yeah. Like characters that are that have good and bad characteristics. Yeah, characteristics. exactly. Those are my favorites. So he is definitely, I would definitely incorp incorporate his writing style into any character I potentially write. Yeah, definitely. That would be my lesson. Uh, Rating? Shall we go? I know you said 7 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine, mine's 7 out of 10. You're going to stick with it? Yeah, stick with 7 out of 10. Okay. Mine will be an 8. <coughs> I love this movie. It's close to me and I really like it. It's not in my top 10, but I think it's very, very undervalued. Especially in today's cinematic climate of superheroes. Yeah, exactly. So that, that would be it. Should I, should I make an outro? Yeah. Alright, cool. So I'm new to this. Thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed my scattered voiceover monologue of Hancock um, if you like us or if you like us if you're listening you know thank you for that please like share and subscribe all that usual stuff and uh, I'm Kev of course this is Logan and thanks guys, guys.